Welcome to the RevOps Baddie, where I bring you face-to-face with the badasses of the industry and uncover their secrets to success. Each week, I'll be diving into the minds of top leaders and experts to uncover their ideas, advice, and lessons learned around sales, marketing, customer success, and how they all come together to drive revenue growth. If you're ready to level up your RevOps game, then this is the podcast for you. So grab your headphones, buckle up, and get ready to join us on a journey to discover what it takes to become a true RevOps baddie. Welcome back to another episode of the RevOps Baddie. On today's episode, we have Francisco Lacayo, who is the CRO of White Shark Media, a digital marketing agency focused on pay-per-click advertising and technology. And today we're going to be talking about the difference between marketing, growth, and RevOps. So Francisco, thank you so much for being with us today. Why don't you give our listeners a short summary about who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm excited about this opportunity. Um, like you mentioned, I work at a digital marketing agency. We specialize on pay-per-click services. So, you know, anything under Google, Microsoft, or Facebook paid ads, that's that's our bread and butter. Um, we've been around for 13 years now, so it's, it's been quite a while. We've, we've grown as Google and Microsoft have grown as well. And we serve basically... I would say almost any customer out there, our, 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 our core focus would usually be SMBs, but uh, but we also have a couple of enterprise clients or larger companies that need support in the digital marketing space. So I would say we do a bit of everything in regards to, to client portfolio. Um, I work in the revenue department, so I'm the chief revenue officer here. Um, usually that means that I get to wear many hats. <laughs> so I work with sales, client experience, and marketing. Um, anything that's related to revenue usually flows through me or, or, or I'm involved in one way or another. So I'll probably say I have the, the funnest job in the company because I get to work with everyone. I totally agree with that. I'm also in the RevOps space and I think it's the funnest job because your job is never boring. <laughs> exactly. So. Yes. There's always something happening for sure. So it's really interesting because RevOps, that term is really starting to become very trendy and more popular. And I think there's a misconception between marketing, growth and RevOps and what they all are. And so maybe you could give us a little high-level overview of marketing growth and RevOps and how do they differ from one another? Yeah, sure. And, and I think this connects well with our journey because we've gone through a process of change where we try to centralize everything under revenue. Um, ourselves, we used to have separate departments for each one of our lines of businesses. So marketing was its own department. Um, they're usually in charge of lead generation and, and brand awareness for the company. Um, I would say that the first step in the client journey because they're the ones actively looking for leads so the sales team can actually pitch them. Um, then in the growth department, we have a hybrid because it is a mix of sales for us with also account executives that are in charge of existing revenue growth. So apart from closing a brand new customer, we also focus a lot on our existing customers and the opportunity to grow them as well. It can be a cross-sell, it can be an upsell, or even if we're talking about referrals and winbacks, that all kind of falls under the growth umbrella. And then revenue operations is is kind of what ties everything together. It's really in charge of making sure that the rest of the departments are not really siloed and that everything is running smoothly. About two or three years ago, we used to work separately. So we used to have someone leading the sales department, someone leading the client experience department, and then marketing kind of working together with both. Um, when I jumped into the, the CRO position, we, we basically merged everything. And, and that's kind of what's cool about it because now... Um, we basically work as one, you know, we have client experience and sales basically working together and then marketing is just running around everywhere working with us. So 
that aligns for a lot of synergy and, 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 you know, much more improved process as well. Yeah, that's really interesting. And so when we, when we look at marketing function, you had mentioned like marketing's main goal is to drive leads for the company. But then you also said that growth function is is sort of like, oh, how do we grow this account? So how do those two marketing and growth work together and, and, and form that like synergy, for a lack of a better word, to make sure that growth can leverage the marketing efforts to make that revenue impact? Yeah, so if we're talking about existing customers and, and you know the growth team focusing on growing existing opportunities, active customers, marketing acts directly as a support team. Um, they're basically there to support anything the growth department needs. For instance, we have a strong client advocacy and loyalty program, so we try to pamper our clients, and marketing is in charge of that, of building that program. And then we focus exclusively on the opportunities that we feel have a higher potential for growth. So the growth department will go to marketing and say, hey, um, I have a client that's really interested in increasing their budget and they want to, you know, expand to other products. What can we do for them? And then we go into our VIP program that's managed by marketing. Marketing says, hey, listen, I got you. I'm going to make sure that this client, you know, is happy with what we're giving them. Um, I'm going to make sure that they have extra layers of support. I'm going to make sure that if we need an extra testimonial to share with them, we have it. Or if they need custom collateral to support the process, that they have it. So there is a pretty, pretty smooth synergy, I would say, because we're very close. We work very closely uh, now compared to what it used to be four or five years ago when this wasn't too much of a, of a popular term or, or, or idea in general. Yeah. And and so what are some of the challenges that those three areas face um, when they're trying to impact revenue? Well, it depends on 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 the particular line of business that we're talking about. If, if we're talking about the, the process itself and the client journey, um, you know, this unification or, or this train of thought of everyone or working under one umbrella is fairly new. At least for us, it's fairly new. You know, we've done it for a couple of years. So what's been challenging has been aligning on how we go about doing things because before marketing used to do things their own way. And then they had <clears throat> some communication with client experience, but it wasn't direct. And then marketing had ideas, for instance, in regards to promotions that they wanted to launch. Uh, but the growth department or the sales department, they didn't really think that that was a good fit, even though the market research would say it was. So we still have some of those challenges because it's it's a process that we're getting used to. But there's always different points of view, right? You know, marketing has a lot of data on what the market is doing, but the teams talking to clients have, you know, hands-on data on what the clients want. So combining those ideas and getting everyone to agree, I, I would say that's probably the biggest challenge still. But I think that that's kind of where, where revenue operations comes into place and helps aligning these trains of thought. Yeah, I guess that kind of leads me into another question in terms of data, because I think in this role, especially RevOps, it's like you have to be so ingrained in the data. And like you said, you have so many different data points that you have to consider when you're making these decisions. So how does this shift towards data-driven decisions like make an impact in these three areas? And how do we gather this data? Data is probably the most fundamental part of the entire process. You know, numbers don't lie. It's the x-ray that you have about your portfolio and also the hidden opportunities. What we've tried to embrace a lot is, you know, we have a lot of KPIs. We have, you know, we have Salesforce's CRM. We use it for project management as well. It comes to Tableau. We have a lot of reports, a lot of fancy numbers. 
But now what we're doing is all departments are actually looking at these numbers and using them. For instance, you know, revenue operations will usually pull reports in regards to the top verticals that work for us and the average lifetime value of these customers. So before that used to be just a metric, you know, like, oh, we're good at, you know, running campaigns for hospitals. But now marketing uses that data and says, okay, then let me shift my focus. Let me make sure that we have enough content for these type of clients. Let me make sure that our campaigns are aligned with this because the numbers are telling me that that's where I should go. So having the visibility is is probably the most important part of the entire process. And then someone sitting down and doing something with the numbers, right? Because that's that's also very common that teams invest a lot on software or, or at least having data. You, you know, data scientists are very popular now. So now you hire them and they crunch the numbers, but nobody makes decisions based on those numbers. So that that's also key, right? That if you have the data, you have the software, you're seeing something that you act on it and having everything centralized, it's what makes it so much easier to act on it because the decision-making process is, you know, is fairly easy. So. Awesome. So in terms of the data, this is like the million dollar question. And the biggest thing that I think a lot of the clients I work have the, ha- work with have an issue is how do you ensure that the data is correct and reliable? <laughs> yes, that's that's extremely hard, I would say. I mean, I, I would love to say that our data is 100% accurate and it's super reliable, but, but I don't think it is. Uh, but I think we've made a lot of great progress. I think it's about investing in resources, you know, having people in charge of it. Our revenue operations department, we have maybe two or three members that are solely and exclusively dedicated to making sure that the numbers make sense and that they're always updated, you know, that the numbers that we're seeing are real. So I think it's it's having the manpower and, and making sure that you're investing in having accurate numbers, because that's also another thing. You can hire a fancy software, you can have, you know, great sources, but if you're not curating this data and you're not making sure that everything you see makes sense, then it's, it's just a waste of time. And more importantly, if the rest of the company doesn't abide by the processes that make sure data is correct, then it also doesn't matter. You know, if we have a sales team that is not classical, you know, updating their sales force with the accurate data, then I can pull a thousand reports, but I know that the data that's coming through is not accurate. So I think it has a lot to do with alignment of the company, making sure that you have someone guaranteeing that the processes are being followed. And then a couple of people making sure that the, the data is there and that it's being updated because it, it's hard. You know, it, 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 it's definitely one of the biggest problems I think that we come across. And you talked about metrics and KPIs and having a lot of them. And I'm curious, in your opinion, what are some of the key metrics and KPIs that companies should track to measure the success of marketing, growth, and RevOps strategies? I mean, that obviously depends on the industry you're in. Um, I think a common one that most uh, companies should focus on in a you know, top three priority is lifetime value. I can tell you that for us, for instance, we had a time where our sales numbers were through the roof. We were crushing it. We were selling more than we could manage. But the lifetime value was very low. The quality of the sales was very low. So in our mind, we were doing great. We were selling a lot. There was a lot of revenue coming in every month, but we weren't looking at the lifetime value. And then after a while, we realized, you know, these clients are churning after two or three months. So what we're selling isn't really staying or sticking. So having, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in sales doesn't doesn't do anything. So lifetime value is, is one, is fundamental. Churn is obviously another one um, that I think that applies for most companies because churn really is a reflection of your product and your service. And a lot of people just think that, you know, churn is organic, churn is natural. Right now we have a financial crisis. So say, ah, it's the market or, or, you know, it's our industry. But in reality, nine out of 10 times churn can be prevented. Like if you really do an x-ray on why people or customers are leaving, you can jump into it and take action. So out of the top three, I think those top two apply for most people. 
Um, then our industry is budget usage because we manage paid campaigns. So our customers spend money on unpaid advertising channels, and that's extremely important to them. You know, how we're spending the money, how much we're spending, and the return that they're getting on their investment. So for us, I think that would be the third metric that we pay close attention to. Um, especially a lot of marketing agencies, they have a, a pricing model that is based on spend. So, you know, spending the budget wisely is what's going to determine your revenue directly as well as an agency. So um, I think those three have the highest impact on revenue decisions. And at least internally, those are the ones that we focus on. Yeah, I absolutely love your first one, lifetime value. And I think it's not, I mean, I have seen that it's not commonly so focused and on, right? Because they're just like, I just want that bigger revenue number. Um, that's what I need to hit. That's what my investors care about. But when you think about the lifetime value of a customer and you think if they're only there for two to three months, like you had mentioned in your one example, how exhausting it is for your sales team to constantly be fishing for new opportunities, um, having the meetings, um, converting them, and then also how exhausting it is for fulfillment or that account management to constantly onboarding and offboarding new clients every two to three months. And so I think that one's like an underrated one. I think that's a great um, KPI to focus in on. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, a, it's a hidden cost as well, because if you take into account the, you know, the cost to, to close the sale, the cost to onboard, the operational cost, then the human factor, you know, getting doing the research to understand this new client and then two or three months afterward, you know, all those eight, 10 hours that you spent are you know, worth this. If you add that up, then then you realize that the idea is not necessarily just to sell more for the sake of selling more, but sell something that you can guarantee that's going to last you for X amount of time. Yeah. So I think over the last past 10 years, the rise of new technologies has been just insane. And so I think like one, what is some advice for a company that is starting to put some real investment behind new technologies? What are the things that they should consider? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> shopping for tech can be really tricky, um, especially if you're starting out because, you know, most tools, they, they go by yearly contracts and you have to do a one-time payment. So if you're starting out, it's hard to commit to a single tool. We've been around, you know, we've tried everything. We've, we've really used, I think, every tool that we can use that, that serves our, our industry. The first advice would be to, to be realistic about what you can afford and, and what your company needs. Um, and a great, again, I can use ourselves as a great example. We've switched, we've switched CRMs, I think, four or five times. And it was maybe four or five years ago that we started using Salesforce. And at that time, it made sense for us. It's an expensive tool. It's a pretty big tool as well. If we had started using Salesforce from the get go, it probably wouldn't have been a good fit. You know, we would have been over our head. We didn't have enough customers, enough data or enough revenue to justify it. So being realistic about where you stand. Um, that's the beauty about, at least in our industry, that there are different tiers of tools that, you know, if you're an entry level agency, there are certain levels of CRMs and revenue management tools that you can use. So don't go just for the popular tool, the, the, the expensive tool that you think that might make sense for you, unless you, you're really sure about your revenue projections, how fast you can grow. So that's one. Second, um, hire a tool or have a tool, you know, and buy a tool because you need them. A lot of people still, you know, we work with agents, we have a white label program, so we work with startup agencies. A lot of them still rely on sheets, you know, doing manual work. And that that's great. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely probably accurate if you're doing it manually, but it's not going to work in the long run because of the time and the effort that it requires. So have that in mind as an investment. It's a revenue investment um, because if you invest in a tool that will give you the visibility that you need and, and you have the right data to make decisions, 
you're going to save a lot of money as well, and it's going to pay itself off. So I think those would be the two main factors that I would highlight. Um, and then do your research. That's the beauty, again, about this market, that there's there's so many tools out there that, that you can really take your time before before you get a tool. Out of curiosity, um, since you've been in this RevOps role and technology is a big part of the role, how much technology did you cancel out in your role? Just curious. <laughs> <laughs> we're actually, I mean, it's, it's funny you ask because we're actually going through that process right now. And it's not about canceling out. We're trying to be more efficient with the systems that we use now that we're trying to centralize a lot of the operations under one roof, we're trying to centralize the tool usage as well. So we are in the search for new project management tools that everyone can use because before we used to have a project management tool for client experience, sales had their own tools and then marketing had their own tools. Right now we're looking at things that can work for all departments. That makes sense. So I don't think we've canceled any yet, but this is the year where most of our renewals come up. So this is really the year where we're, you know, that that's really the process that we've been doing the past two or three weeks have sat on maybe eight or nine demos of different tools because we are trying to find tools that can unify um, the revenue operations and that makes everything smoother. Because when you start off siloed, then your tech stack is siloed and then that's more expensive and it also doesn't, you know, it doesn't align, it doesn't work well. So, so we're going through that process ourselves. Yeah, I feel like 2023 for RevOps is the year of tech consolidation. <laughs> um, yeah, so for it's, sure. It's kind of funny. Um, okay. What about artificial intelligence and machine learning? How do you think those, especially with like chat GPT coming up, how do you think those are impacting or affected a, affecting marketing growth and RevOps? I mean, I think it's going to drive, you know, it, it's, it's a behavior driver for sure. Um, it, it's a popular thing right now. What I know is that it's right now it's it's a free or fairly free tool. It's going to switch to a revenue model where we're going to have to pay for it. So the, the immediate free gratification is not going to be there. That's going to change the game a bit. But I think it should make everyone else more efficient. We're, we're using them and we're trying them out. Uh, we're being careful because, you know, there is a there is a certain level of quality of work that you can expect from the tool. For instance, the SEO team, we tried out, you know, letting the tool write the content for us. It was okay as a baseline, but it's not content that we would consider quality or the one that we would deliver to our clients. So, but I know that other agencies are using it for it. So I think it's going to drive the right behavior as long as you're focused on efficiency rather than thinking of this tool as, you know, replacing what you do for a living or replacing your job. Um, because the human component is still extremely important. And I just think that what you're going to see more and more is people adapting. You know, I don't think this is going to replace people. It's just going to make people focus on different things. And it should drive better quality because if it's saving you time uh, on doing certain research and building a cadence or writing a script for Google Ads, because it can do that as well, then that should give you more time for strategy and creativity and the bigger picture and spending more time with your clients and working on the relationships. So that's that's my positive view towards the tool. And I think that that's where it should go. At least that's how we want to go about it. But, you know, it's, it's going to be tricky for a couple of months until it's paid. And then once it's paid, that's going to weed out a lot of the people that are not really into it. But I expect a lot of good things to come out of it. You know, I, I think we're going to get a lot of good things in terms of efficiency. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I'm absolutely going to pay for it because my efficiency for the base foundational things that I need to do for my day to day, like I run two podcasts, I have a social media account, you know, it's like all those things in terms of uh, when I create blogs, creating the outline. So I, I agree. It's like as long as it's used as a foundational thing, it's it's super helpful. How do you see the roles of marketing, growth and RevOps evolving within the next five years? 
I think we're getting closer to a model where we have a hybrid, you know, a hybrid role, more of a hybrid department. I think instead of having three or four departments, we're probably just going to have one or two. Um, that's an internal discussion that we've had for a while. Um, what I see is more marketing professionals that are a lot more data driven and spend more time crunching numbers. I see a lot of client facing or client experience team members that are jumping more and more into growth and sales opportunities, you know, and that they're being trained for it. Um, we do it internally. So we have, we still have separate teams, but you know, both sales and client experience right now are, are almost working as one. So they're, they're really a hybrid team. I think it's going to evolve to that, to having more centralized teams altogether to the point where you're not necessarily going to have separate departments. It's just going to have a new fancy name. And then what you're going to have is, you know, your profile of the strategist working on an account is going to be someone that has a wider skill set overall. And if they're leveraging AI, for instance, then that makes it a lot easier because, you know, if I tell you right now, get me someone that's strong in communication, that has, you know, sales skills, maybe not experience with the skill set, that understands marketing, and that's also technical, say that's a, that's a pretty tough profile to, to find. But if you leverage the right tools and then you're leveraging AI to make it more efficient and easier for them to do their job, then what you need is someone very analytical. And that's, you know, that they're eager to learn and that they're fast learners. And then if you have that profile, then you can expand it into everything else. So I think we're going to evolve towards that. Hopefully we do, because that that's kind of what we're trying to do here internally. And we've seen that that usually turns out the best results for the client. You know, it, it's for me, it's Whatever drives the behavior should be client-centric. So if if this hybrid it makes more sense for the client and is helping you deliver a better experience, then then that's the route that it should, you know, that you should take. And in our case, that's what we're seeing so far since we've done this this internal change. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So what about the companies who haven't really implemented the RevOps strategy yet? What are some challenges or obstacles that companies may face when implementing the strategies that Wake Shark Media has been implementing? I think having the resources is key. And if you're starting up, you, you're you probably not in a place where you can have specific resources. You know, you, you don't have the budget to invest in the data or the tools. Um, maybe you don't have the budget to hire a specific person. So I think it's the barrier of entry for the RevOps concept. I think it's not that low yet. So I think that you need to grow a bit and you need to have a sustainable portfolio a bit first, at least for it to be worth something. Because if you invest in data and someone crunching numbers and you have 10 clients, then, you know, that's, that's not going to do much, right? So I think it's getting to the barrier. That, that's one challenge. Um, the second challenge is that there's a lot of traditional marketing you know, mindset going out there. So it's not always easy to centralize teams. You know, it's, it's in our industry, it's, it's a very common cliche to talk about sales versus marketing and sales versus client experience because it's, they've, you know, they've worked as silos for years. So breaking down that wall is, is a challenge. You know, it's, it's, it's hard. It's sales is used to complain about, you know, marketing and the quality of the leads. And then marketing is used to complaining about the sales teams not being able to close. And then client experience, you know, they're used to complaining about the quality of the sales and things like that. And, and that's happened for 50, 60, 70 years or so. You know, changing, making that switch is, is not easy. And it takes a lot of, you know, having a, a good group of professionals, people that are open-minded, that are willing to understand, again, to put the client first and understand client centricity as maybe the main core goal. So I think those are the two main challenges, if, especially if you're starting up, you know, trying to catch up to that entry-level barrier and then switching, you know, turning on that switch on your team and saying, guys, we're going to approach the market differently because, you know, this is really what's better for our clients. Um, I think those are the two hardest ones. We've gone through both. 
we're at a good point now, but, but you know, it was, it was tough as we were growing and it was part of our growing pains as well. What is one piece of advice that you would want listeners to take away from today's episode? Ask your clients how they feel. They'll tell you a lot <laughs> about what you should be doing. And it sounds very cliche and it also sounds very basic, but you know, the more we talk to other agencies, we realize that sometimes we don't do it enough, you know, and, and we come up with a lot of great ideas on what we should do. And then when we go to market, we realize that they don't make sense because the ideas that we have are based on numbers and things that don't align with our clients want. So we invested heavily on revamping how we collect CSATs, how we, you know, measure client satisfaction. And ever since we did that, it's, it's changed our entire revenue strategy. You know, we were going from relying on new sales for maybe 90% of our revenue to a point where 65, 70% of our revenue now comes from existing portfolio, just because we're talking a lot more with our clients and we're, we're just asking them, you know, what do you want? How do you feel? Uh, what would be a good opportunity for you? What's a new product that you want to test out? Are you happy? And if so, like, do you have a friend that could be happy with us? You know, all those questions and that communication. Again, sounds super basic, but, but you know, I, I'm not going to say you'll be surprised because you know it. <laughs> you know how many agencies or companies in general, they don't, they don't speak enough to clients. They deliver a service and they think that the client is happy because they're not complaining. And that's not how it works, particularly in moments like these when, when we're going through, you know, what some people are calling a recession or a potential recession. Customers are rethinking everything. They're rethinking their strategies, their marketing, everything. This is the time to ask the right questions. And then understanding that you need to have the flexibility as a company to adjust your decision-making process based on that feedback, because that's probably the second key element in this process. Sure, talk to your customers, but if you're very rigid and you don't have the ability to be flexible with your customers, then you might get a lot of feedback that you can't implement. But if your mindset is, let me have the flexibility so that I can adjust to what my customer needs now and not in six to 12 months, that's going to win you a lot of battles. So I think that that would be probably the most important thing. Yeah. That is such great advice, and I cannot agree more. If you're only going to leave with one thing, definitely that. Well, Francisco, it has been a pleasure. Where can people find you if they want to continue the conversation or have any additional questions? WhysharkMedia.com. If you reach out, I usually see everything that comes through, so I'll see you. If not, you can find me on LinkedIn as well, and we'll be glad to have a chat. Awesome. Thanks again for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for your time. 